So Kelly, I hear you did a cross country ski race this weekend. I I can't even imagine actually racing on skis. So tell us about how that went. I think racing would be an optimistic term. I thought I had actually come in last because I thought the 80 year old man I passed died, uh, didn't finish, (laughs) but it turns out he finished. So I did not come in last. Well, here's the thing. It turns out that I don't actually know how to ski. And I kept thinking this the whole time about, you know, you're at a triathlon and there's that guy, there's always a guy who's only swum like four times in his life. And you're always like, oh, wow, you decided to do a race. Like maybe you should practice some more. Like that that was you. (laughs) That was me. And I could literally see the people being like, huh, well, like good for her. That looks rough. (laughs) She doesn't know how to ski. (laughs) And, and I really got a new insight into how tough it is because I was so tired and so terrible because I was just trying to like will myself through it by like working harder right okay did it it make you want to be better like do you want to go back and do this again and be better or is that that's your cool cross-country ski career come and gone I think that was it I think I was if we lived somewhere with snow and I went more than once a year then I probably would try and get better it's fun it's cool but but if I'm only gonna do it once a year I feel like I actually probably should shouldn't race I should try and learn how to ski first true okay when I lived in Scotland all of the local triathletes at the end of the season did this race but instead of swim bike run it was kayak bike run oh yeah we have one of those yeah. yeah and a lot of people didn't know how to kayak Um, And so then they rented, like there was a kayak rental place right there, but so many people showed up that all the like good beginnery, easy kayaks to float kind of got taken first. And then after that, they were just racing kayaks. You know, the little ones that are Mm -hmm. so narrow that your butt barely fits in them. Okay. So imagine it was a bunch of people who had never been in kayaks before (laughs) in these race boats. And when the when the gun went off, literally like five people on the start line, just like instead of going forward, just like flipped over into the water. <laughs> it was like oh, it was yeah. the best thing ever. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast, get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc with a K, dot com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at cravejerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get Okay, so Sarah, last week we had a highly controversial debate about the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit issue, and we got some feedback. Oh, we got some feedback. Okay. I'd like to know, what what feedback did we get from your side? Uh, People think you're angry. (laughs) People think you just want to burn down the whole swimsuit issue, FYI. Well, I mean, okay, I would say burning it down is like one of many 
possible options. solutions. Yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would be, I mean, I would examine burning it down as a, as a possible solution. What are some other solutions that you would like people to consider? Okay. Well, okay. First of all, I think like sometimes we move too quickly to solutions, although I do have some, <laughs> but okay. This is what I wanted to say really was that like, I think in the overall analysis of a bigger picture, like we have to take into account, like we live in a world where women aren't valued as highly as men. And then this plays out in the way that we portray that not we, but like the media, whatever, Sports Illustrated, society, (laughs) portrays like sexuality where it's like women are depicted as like the object of sexual desire and men are the subjects and the actors. And before you call me first wave feminism, it's actually second wave. (laughs) It's actually second wave. True. Fair. And that point goes like that point goes back like all the way to Plato. Like that was his like. He basically made this, Plato made this huge argument about how like women were just basically wired to be the objects of sexual desire, that they didn't have sexual desires of their own. That's true. That's that's a fair point. Plato's probably right. Plato's probably right. But you can see how like making change, I I just say that to like making change on how society views these things is not going to be quick. After like. So what you're saying is you want to take our controversial swimsuit issue debate and Make it about Greek philosophy. Basically, yeah. (laughs) Make it about Greek philosophy. Right. But it's to say, okay, that if we are living in a society, which we are, in which women are always the objects and men are the subjects, not always, but like more often portrayed, right? That this, like to shift this duality, we need to have more different ways of seeing things and doing things right? More different kinds of ways of understanding sexuality, different depictions of ways to be sexual beings in the world, right? So anything that makes women less human and men more human, right, is part of this continuum in which, like, the culture of, like, sexual harassment and assault is, like, within that purview you're just laughing at me now you just got way too women's studies academic yeah. <laughs> people are like tuning out <laughs> you like took something super interesting out. and made it really boring <laughs> oh man okay <laughs> anyone who's interested in this please email me and tell me because i think kelly's wrong anyway <laughs> okay so so if we're gonna shift the like if we're gonna shift the dial on this dualism Uh we need like a greater like plurality of expressions on sure and and this will be one of many this will be one of many okay so this is where we get to my book of naked olympians solution isn't that the okay do you guys not get the body espn body issue in canada the espn body issue would be a good yeah i i just except i mean okay side point here we got to acknowledge they still have cigarette ads in the espn magazine they do yeah it's weird that is odd i know so, yeah, so I would say that, okay, so here in Canada, I can remember one book. It was, like, a very controversial. It was in 2008. I'm sure they do it every year. But this one particular was controversial where they did nude shots of all the Olympians. They had a choice. Our Canadian team had a choice if they wanted to be in this book. And they Good. I'm glad they weren't forced they weren't as a forced. condition of being in they the did. Olympics. <laughs> they did black and white. And they did, like, literally some of the pictures were of, some of the pictures were sexy. And then some of the pictures were, like, really powerful and strong pictures. Some were, like, 
nude but parts hidden some were like parts shown like there was a lot of different there were a lot of different like moving parts basically um and they weren't all about they weren't all like sexy it was this massive variety of things that was and of course the men the men and the women right and and i loved this book and i thought it was amazing okay and so i I'm, think you're gonna have to include a link in our show notes so people can buy your oh, canadian turn, sex my, olympian my book. canadian sex olympian book and so i'm going to replace the swimsuit edition with the naked with the naked olympians in a variety of poses that aren't all women in come get me poses okay okay uh, I thought you also got some feedback though about our swimsuit yeah, so debate. I think, <laughs> I think what's funny is like when we debate, I realize this cause we've never really debated before, but that you're going to hear from people who agree with you and I'm going to hear from people who agree with me, you know? Nice. Um, so I think there was like a little bit of that, but then also I got feedback saying that people wanted to hear more debates. Like I got a lot of people just like, that was amazing. That was really fun. You guys, you guys should do that more often. So good. I can debate anything. I know. I have I'm, opinions. Let's talk. I'm a little concerned about that. Cause I'm more like, yeah, that's good. I like what you think. No, okay. no snooze alarm. Stupid. Biking in the rain. Dumb. Let's see what else is idiotic. I have lots of ideas. <laughs> Excellent. So coming up in future in the future more debates good good i feel like this there is a topic though that we don't have a lot of disagreement on unfortunately the ncaa basketball tournament is going on right now Mm -hmm. i've heard that Uh, apparently yeah you guys don't have ncaa but you do have tvs Mm -hmm. and apparently the women's tournament is also going on right now right i've heard rumors of that as well (laughs) i literally only found this out because i was at a bar and there were four tvs showing basketball and then there was one tv showing the women's tournament i was like is that half really like right at the same time so apparently right and you're like you're like a sports reporter who's kind of clued up on this stuff and yet somehow it managed to miss you which i don't think is your fault i think the women's basketball tournament used to be like after or staggered and now in all fairness to the ncaa they schedule it kind of in between like in between the first round of the men's and then the next round, there's like a couple day break and they have the first round of the women's. So they try to do it like they're, I think they're hoping people are watching basketball. So they'll start watching women's. And so they try to kind of like stagger it back and forth. Like the women's championship is the day before the men's championship. So I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Like yeah, I appreciate that, that they're trying. That seems like a good effort. Uh, but it's also sparked the debate again about the ongoing debate the coverage much of like the swimsuit sport. debate right, right. <laughs> the swimsuit debate no one's ever had that before so so they um about women's sport and whether the me- it's just the media not covering it that needs to cover it more or whether there's people just aren't interested in women's sport there's also this like there was this argument that was put out there in the world. I mean, in USA Today, so this isn't like a small argument, that one of the problems is the huge gap in women's basketball between like the best and the worst, right? Like UConn, the women's basketball team, University of Connecticut, are so good, they won their first round game by like 88 points, right? And so it's like a blowout. And it makes it seem like this is a joke. It makes it seem like, oh, the rest of the women aren't that good. And so and so the argument is, because this is a common argument out there in sports economics, that you need parity of competitiveness in order to draw attention. Otherwise, it just feels ridiculous. Otherwise, it's the U.S. and Canada hockey team, like, beating on everyone else, right? Like... But people still watch the U.S. and Canada hockey team. people still watch it, right? right. So I'm, we're just not sure if that's a... I mean, maybe, maybe, but I think people also like heroes, right? Like people like a hero team. Sometimes we'll say that's really good for a sport when there's a hero. 
I don't think this is like a fair argument because there's all kinds of men's sports where you look at like competitiveness and it doesn't really actually relate to whether or not people watch and money made, but it is a common thing in women's sports. It is a very common thing where there's a period where there's someone who's way, way better or some team that's way, way better than everybody else. And then there's like a gap and then it takes a while and then the other people catch up. Like this happened in triathlon. This happened. It happens all the time. And I don't know exactly why this happens in women's sports. I have some theories about like the history and context, but it definitely happens. Like an ITU triathlon, we saw like big gaps when it first started, but they ride, they like come around eventually, right? And what ends up happening is that you end up having like a very robust women's sport that has been supported from the beginning. And then people are into it because I would argue that the female triathletes are a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. We do pretty well these days. You know, what's interesting actually is that the ITU had their reason for wanting to have more women involved in the sport was because they were trying to get into the Olympics. And so it was a time like in the nineties when the IOC was really, really pushing gender equality. I mean, they always have, but like the nineties was kind of the beginning of the big push and they needed to have a certain number of countries with women who were competitive enough to be on an Olympic stage. Um, and so they developed, they wanted to develop their women's side really quickly. And they did that literally by just providing equal opportunities. And they had races, like they had World Cup races where there were like three women on the start line and 30 men. And it was, right. it was like to an outsider would look ridiculous, but within 10 years, boom, they had this amazing women's race. So if you build it, they will come, right? And so maybe NCAA women's basketball, if you build it. They will come and they're coming. I mean, the fact that the, the fact that there is one team that could have all those strong women on it and be so dominant means that there could be others. Right. I think what's missing now, right. Is that if you build the infra, the media infrastructure and the ability for fan, like the coverage, the ability for fans to find it, to watch it, to follow it. That's kind of probably what's missing more than, you know, these other, these other arguments. Right, right. It reminded me that the points about the media coverage, right, is that one one of the sides of this debate, someone wanted to say that it's because there's mostly men in media positions, um, which is true. And then the coach of the Minnesota Lynx, um, the WNBA team, she actually had an interesting tweet saying that it was it wasn't this wasn't all that was in the, the tweet. She had a long bit of text in it, but that it's not just the fact that the journalists are men, but the bias that is held in the sports journalism. And it actually made me think of this study that I heard about on a podcast that my oh, friend- a study made, on a podcast? A study on a podcast. I know. Oh, okay. How interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, <I'm, laughs> that my friend Lisa Ingerfield did with Mary Jo Kane from, she's, the, she's a professor and the director of the Tucker Center uh, for Girls and Women in Sport. And basically they showed, I'll try to make this quick. They basically showed images of a bunch of different women to people from different demographics. Right. So they showed a real sexy athlete. They showed like that was like borderline pornographic. They showed like a girl next door image. And then they showed like kind of a more aggressive sporty one. Okay. Um, and there was a fourth one. I forget what it was. And they showed different people these images and asked them a bunch of questions about them. But one of the questions was, what would you most click on? Right. And, okay. all, and like the men by far the biggest bias was that they would click on the kind of like sexy borderline like soft porn one. Right. Okay. And so, you know, people walk away with that with like, oh, yeah, okay, we need to have more, we need to have more sexy women or whatever. But then they ask them, what would they, like, which image would make them click through to watch sports, right? Okay. And like, guess which one they clicked? <laughs> they clicked the one of the woman athlete. Well, yeah, I mean, 
There's also always biases. My husband does a lot of polling in what people say they'll do and what they'll actually do. Side oh, point here. This is true. But, this is true. But, but, okay, it's just to show, like, this, this, it made me think of this thing with the biases because it's, like, this bias that sex sells, right? And then we apply it to sport. But actually, like, not entirely Sports sh- sure sell sport is what you're saying? Sports might sell more sports. Turns out. Just a guess. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. It just made me think of this whole debate, right? And how we sort of solve this problem. And maybe we're asking the wrong questions. One of the questions I asked in the newsletter this week, though, about selling sports mm-hmm. was about all the new YouTubes. Ooh, good segue. I know they're not called YouTubes, guys. Don't <laughs> don't tweet at me. Yeah. But there's been a ton of athlete videos, right? Mm-hmm. Day in the life, episodes, following Lots of pretty training videos. I watch them sometimes, like if I specifically want need to go and find it, but not not as like a general entertainment. I'm not just like browsing YouTube, but that's probably more because I don't just browse YouTube. It's not like a thing I do. So here's a question. Once you're there, like once you're there, you're on YouTube, you've you've gone to like find out how to fix your dishwasher or something. And then right. like, does it pull up something else? And then do you watch that? Do you ever get down Not, like the rabbit hole? I don't hole? go, I go down internet rabbit holes. I don't go down YouTube rabbit holes generally. Like I don't okay. watch online video much, which I asked the newsletter if this was just me or if this was other people. And obviously there's like the whole generational divide thing, whatever. But there's also something about a lot of these online video are pretty. They're pretty. They're very pretty. They're very well shot and edited. There's not like, there's not like a driving story. Like I don't, I don't, nothing like draws me in. Right. And yeah, this was my observation as well. And I would love to know what kind of driving stories would draw people in like and actually i would like to know from our audience so people because because you want to make them because sarah will make the videos you want okay so this is literally the situation right now so we did our launch and i've heard from a few companies and i know there's people who are like willing to partner for the right idea and stuff like that so there's like some potential of making shit happen but We need the right idea. Like we need to make videos that people are going to find interesting and actually watch and be informative and also be empowering. So I want to know what people want to watch. Literally, I do. Okay. Well, I have one thing I want, Sarah. Oh, what is that? One thing. I actually do read those like detailed day in the life things sometimes when people like document the exact time. If you actually made a video that actually followed someone's life and like at the bottom, it said like eight o'clock AM and it was like, and it actually showed it all day, not just kind of like glossed over, right. not like not a 24 hour video guys. Come on. You know, you know what I'm saying? I would probably watch that, but it has to be short because I also have no attention span. Right. Right. So think, do that. I think we can do that. I think I would have loved that too. Um, back in the day when I was tr- actually trying to be better at triathlon. Also like food, right? Like what people literally eat. Right. Those are the things that like I will click on, even though I don't care what people eat because I personally don't care. But those are things I will click on. Like when people blog about it, I'm like, I want to see what you like literally did all day and what you ate and you know, the and specifics. all the details, the dirty the details. details. Okay. Okay. So audience, what do you want to know? We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at asskickerinc, inc with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, Crave with a K, 
gmail.com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. And our amazing editor is Aaron Hamilton. None of you people can tell me to stop. Okay, Sarah, do you, are you one of the people who drinks coffee like every morning? Yes, and every mid-morning and every early afternoon. Okay, well, I don't. I literally like don't drink coffee at all. But you might be in trouble. I guess it's good you're not competing anymore because WADA is considering adding caffeine to the anti-doping list. WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, has it on the watch list for the year, so they're studying it, and they might make it prohibited moving forward. Okay, so when I saw this, right, I literally started to panic for, like, my former self and, like, anyone who's like me in the triathlon world. So I dug in a little bit, and it turns out that it has to – caffeine, in order to be banned, has to meet two out of three of these criteria, right? Mm -hmm. It has to – it has to have the potential to enhance performance. Which it does. Which it 100% does. <laughs> Definitely does. <laughs> um, and it, two, it has to pose a health risk to athletes. Which it potentially and does. Three, it has to violate the spirit of sport. It now that's like, I don't things. know. I mean, I think like it's funny because I think it does fall under the parameters of event, those things, but we just accept it in like everyday life. So we're just kind of like, oh yeah, it's fine. It's, it's a very strange study. I think the second one, the, the posing the health risk, I think that that would then be something you would, it doesn't, it doesn't pose health risks in low doses. So right. you'd be hard pressed to show that. So you Which might- is- the threshold question because the la- it right. has been on the WADA ban list before, but it was at a threshold of 12 micrograms per liter, which is apparently about four Starbucks lattes within like a couple hours. Right. But- okay. So I think we're safe. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed.